we are uh, in a mini-series on rest. I didn't know how many sermons we were going to talk about this, but we're actually going to spend one more week next week on it. And the message last week was called Walking in Rest. And this message was birthed out of uh, my vacation that I went on a couple weeks ago, about three weeks ago. And just, you can go back and listen to the full story last week, but basically... I went on this trip, and the first almost half of the trip, I was going, 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 and I didn't realize it, but I was wearing myself out, and about midway through, the Lord just kind of shook me. I, was, I remember I was sitting down at dinner, and I was on my phone, planning the next thing, going to the next place, tired, and the Lord was just like, what are you doing? He said, you left Odessa to come to Florida to do the exact same thing you were doing in Odessa. He said, if anything, you may be enjoying a golf course here and there, but you're just as tired and you're spending a whole lot more money here than you would if you were just staying in Odessa. And the Lord began to work on me and really began to challenge the way that I think about rest and what really our culture thinks about rest. And I didn't real one of the, one of the moments that I had is I, in, that, in that moment, I began to think about rest and going, and I was constantly on my phone just Googling things, going to the next place, whatever, and the Lord said, you have learned to surrender some of the big things in your life, the future of the church, the future of your, your, your personal life, but you are still day-to-day filling in the blank with, with different things, talking to different people, going places. You have not learned to let your mind rest. And he said, if you're going to actually, if your body is ever going to rest, you're going to have to learn to say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about filling up my mind, my schedule, my time with things that really can't give me rest. And so I began to talk about that. And one of the reasons that I, I, I believe we do not rest as a society is because of our excessive lifestyles. We spend money on things possessions, clothes, cars, houses, boats, um, uh, different, uh, different activities. We spend things on money on things that we cannot afford. Now, I'm not saying it's bad to have nice things. It's okay. But if you cannot afford it, if you are spending more time, working more hours, wasting, not, well, yeah, wasting your energy away for things that you think are to give you rest but really can't, then we're doing something wrong. And I would even say not just spending our finances, our money, spending our time. Giving our time, having our kids, I'm going, to about, I'm going to step on some toes, having our kids get involved in sports, in extracurricular activities, thinking that they have to do those things, but we're breaking our back. We are, we are taking time away from our, our time with our families where we could be spending time together because we're pouring into our kids, pouring into our families, thinking that we need those things. We don't just waste money. We can waste time, and it can be detrimental to our family's health, and so I think we as a people need to begin to reevaluate uh, what are we doing with our resources, our time, our wealth. I believe we go after these things, sacrificing our mental, emotional, and physical rest because we think those things can fulfill us. But the truth is those things can't, can't fulfill us. Now, many of us may know that these things can't fulfill us. Uh, don't know, but some of us do know, and we think, well, I, want, I, I know that I should be you know, going to the Lord for these things, but I'm going to continue. At the end of the day, it's, a, it's still a lie. And this is how the enemy takes us into bondage when he lies to us. But what is the truth? 
Only Jesus can satisfy us. Did you know, and I say this quite a bit because to me it just hits, it just really speaks to me. Did you know, it doesn't matter what situation you're in right now, whether you're in a lot of debt or you have problems with your, with your marriage or other relationships at work or at home, did you know that where you are sitting today, you have everything you need to be at peace? And what the word says, Philippians 4.19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. John 10.10 says, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is when he lies to us and says, hey, work harder, work extra hours away from your family to get that promotion so your family can have more things when all your kids want is just your time. The thief comes only, and he comes to kill and destroy by lying to us. Kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. Jesus comes to bring real life, and you don't need to pay a price for that life. You just have to believe. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. It's a simple, it's such a simple con concept, but really applying it to our lives is where it gets hard. But I'm just here to remind you that it doesn't matter what you're going through today, you only need Jesus. And he is more than, ca more than capable, more than capable to give you everything you need. Amen. The title of today's message is A Rest from Works, and we're gonna, this is going to be a two-part message I want you just real quickly to turn to Hebrews 3. We're going to read in Hebrews 3 this week and then Hebrews 4 next week. And what we're going to be focusing on today is looking at a works mentality. I want you to repeat that after me. Works mentality. It's something that we all struggle with. And it's this idea. It's not on the screen, so I want you just to listen. A works mentality is, this, is the idea if that we're going to achieve anything worthwhile in this life, if we're going to receive anything, get anything, have anything, possess anything, we have to work for it. That is a works mentality. And this mentality keeps us from resting. Now, I want to say this up front. This is going to be a very hard message for many of us to receive. I don't care if you understand the concept. You could, maybe you don't understand, like I don't understand. Maybe you understand what I'm saying, but, but to understand and receive it and it begin to translate out in your life, this is going to be a very hard message for us to receive because it goes against everything that many of us have been taught. My grandfather uh, on my dad's side came from Mexico. He walked from uh, Presidio to Fort Stockton, which is a long way through the mountains and I'm sure it was hot. Um, he has worked for everything he has in his life. And so it's very easy for um, my dad, me, or who, our family to think, well, we had to work. He had to walk. He, had to, he didn't have any. He just had the shoes on his feet and the clothes on his back. He had to work. So this I, idea of a works mentality is going to fly in the face of many of, uh, many of our thought processes. But the truth is God does not want us to have a works mentality. And again, you may be thinking, does that mean I'm not supposed to work? Is that what you're saying, Josh? Am I supposed to just live off the government? No, I'm not saying that. You may think, some of y'all are already checking out. I don't have to work. Josh said it, so let's, all right, I'm going to go home. And No, what I'm saying is, is there's a big difference 
between working hard and having a works mentality. We're going we're gonna to talk about it, but I, wanted to, I want us to pray really quickly and ask the Lord to begin to open up our mind to his word, to this idea, because a works mentality is keeping us from resting. Because at the center of our core, we think we have to do something. It's up to us in order for us to, have, to be blessed. So I want you to close your eyes. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you that you are faithful. You are leading us into rest. You're leading us into the promised land. You are leading us to a place where we can breathe and we can rest and we can sit and not worry about working hard enough for our families to be okay. God, I pray that you would even right now begin to, that you would right now begin to rewire the way we think. That you begin to, if some of us have been thinking the same way for years and years, that today you would begin the, the process of freedom in this area where we lean only on you. We thank you, God. I pray you just give me the words to speak this clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. So the reason, I'm going to just get into it. The reason why there is a difference between working hard and having a works mentality is because there are two types of mentalities that we can have. The first one is a works mentality, which I already talked about. And the second one is a provision mentality. I want you to look at this screen. Look, put up the works mentality. This is what works mentality says. It says, if you have this mentality, you are saying this, whether you're saying it consciously or subconsciously, in order to be blessed, I have to work hard to make it happen. That is the works mentality, and many of us have that. And honestly, this is the American dream. In America, we have many opportunities. You can be as blessed, as rich, as Whatever you want. How many of you believe that? If you work hard in America, you can, you can achieve almost anything you want. That is the works mentality. But look at the provision mentality. It says, in order to be blessed, God has to make it happen, not me. This is the provision mentality. It, says, it actually says this. God, I'm going to partner with you. And focus on the small part you have given me to work on and trust that you are going to provide for me, not my hands, not my brain. I'm going to focus on the small part. Did you know the Bible says, my yoke, Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light? There is a burden that we're supposed to have, supposed to have that he gives us, but it's not a heavy burden. It's a light burden. So God is saying, I want you to focus on the work, the small things, because it's small compared to how, how big life is. I'm going to give you something small to work on and focus on. Work hard in. Yes, work hard. Take care of this small part. But in all reality, I am actually the one providing for you, not you. And you know what God is also saying? So I want you to have this mentality so that you can rest because if you have a works mentality, then everything rides on whether you can deliver for your family and for yourself. How many of y'all know that is an extremely stressful place to be? We're in a place where your, your kids are sick or your, the finances are not looking good and, you're like, and, you're, and your wife's talking to you. I'm talking to husband. Your wife's trying, hey, what are we going to do with the and And then everything is on your shoulders. Like if I don't, if I don't step up to the plate, get a second job, work more hours, 
then my family is not going to be okay. The people that I love most are not going to be okay. That is a works mentality because it says, if I'm going to be blessed, my family's going to be blessed, then I have to make it happen. But a provision mentality says this, God, my wife, my husband came from you, my kids came from you, therefore you will provide for them, not me. I will simply hear your voice and do the things that you are asking me to do and trust you with the rest. Now that's, a very, that's, a, that's pretty simple, but when it comes to it, it can be a very hard thing to do because many of us, as I said, have been living in this works mentality for years and years and we've and we actually come up with finances and we have nice things and it's like really, and we're still living with the stress. If we're honest with ourselves, we're still living with this stress of trying to figure things out, but, but we're still working. We're st- and God is saying there is a better way to live. There is a better way to live. Now look at Hebrews uh, chapter 3 verse 7. In this passage, uh, 7 through um, 7, 8, 9, and 10, 11, I believe, in this passage, the writer of Hebrews is quoting a psalm in, in the book of Psalms. It's actually Psalm 95. We're going to read a little bit of that in a minute. He is, so in the, if you read the New Testament, you'll see uh, writers quote people in the Old Testament. You see this a lot. They'll quote Moses. They'll quote the prophets. In this passage, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. We, many people think it was Paul, so we'll just say it's Paul. Paul is, um, he is referring to a psalm that David wrote, and so I'm going to go ahead and read it. And in, well, in this passage, David is warning the children of Israel, um, giving them a warning. And so Paul in Hebrews is reiterating that warning. He said, David warned your forefathers because, because we're gonna, what we're going to read, I am re-warning you not to fall into the same trap. Look at Hebrews 3 verse 7. It says, as therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, and David said this too, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. He says, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion on the day of testing, where your fathers, your forefathers, hundreds of years ago, put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. What happened? The children of Israel were slaves in Egypt, but God sent Moses and and brought them through the Red Sea. How many of you remember the story of the Red Sea? Split the Red Sea. And, they, and God is saying, I'm going to take you into the promised land. Well, on the way, the children of Israel um, were complaining because there wasn't any water. They were complaining because there wasn't any food. They were complaining for many, many different things. And every time that they complained and they asked God to give them something, guess what? God gave it to them. Every single time, he provided for them. He said they were... Um, it, it, uh, Paul is saying, your forefathers always questioned me, but every time they questioned me, I was able to provide for them. And then it says, but when the day, but when the day of testing came, so that God provided for them, and the day of testing was the day when they showed up to the edge of the promised land. If you remember, God was going to, wanted to take them from the edge, from Egypt, into the promised land. And along the way, God did all these miracles, giving them food, giving them water. But when they got to the promised land and the spies went in and saw the giants, and they said, God is not able. Yes, God, this is crazy to me, but in their mind, they said, yes, God supernaturally gave us water to drink. Yes, he supernaturally gave us food to eat. Yes, he supernaturally parted this huge sea, but he is not able to give us the promised land because there's giants in there. Do you know God will purposely... um, 
take us through things uh, and, and show us his faithfulness time and time again because he knows we're going to have to take a big test in the future. I've seen this time and time again where God will give us opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to trust him. And then the time comes where there's a day of testing. Unfortunately, the children of Israel did not pass the test. After everything God had, had did for them, taking them from slavery, they were slaves. After supernaturally taking them out of Egypt, they were still not able to trust him. They failed. I remember years ago, I was, I think I was in my 20s, and I was, I've talked a lot about my 20s and how I was kind of frustrated during those years because I wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do. And, and I felt, and I was like, Lord, is the opportunity ever for me to do some of the things that my heart wants to do that I feel like you're putting in my, is, are those things ever going to be realized? Am I going to ever have the opportunity? I was just questioning, questioning. And I feel like the Lord, one day he said, you need to quit asking if you're going to have the opportunity. He says, make, listen carefully to this, make no doubt the opportunity is coming. He's saying, I will call you into the season. That's not the question you need to be asking. The question you need to ask is this, will you be ready? The children of Israel, time and time again, saw his faithfulness. And when they were knocking on the door to go into the promised land, they were too scared to go in. They were tested, but they could not pass the test because they did not trust God's faithfulness. Let's keep reading Hebrews uh, 3.10. It says, therefore, I was provoked with that generation because they failed the test and said, they always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, the promised land. They shall not enter in. It's easy for us to condemn the children of Israel. Like, really, you saw literally the sea split in two. Like, if I, I feel like if I were them, if I saw that, I would believe and I would always be believed. How many of you saw like a body of water just split in two? You would always, oh yeah, no, there's for sure a God. But how many of us, God has rescued us from our sins He's taken us out of bondage, and yet we find ourselves not praying anymore, going to church every once in a while, stop serving, stop tithing, stop giving, stop forgiving, stop doing all these things. Let me tell you, we're no different than them. God is looking for us to begin to trust him. He said, they did not know my ways. Even though they... This is, this is so wild. Even though they saw his ways, they could not understand what they were seeing. Because you know what it should have translated? It should have translated, man, if God did this for me back then, then he'll for sure do it in the future. They could not receive it. They could not rest. It says, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now, when it says, enter my rest, I already mentioned, why, why, does, why, do, why is he saying my rest? Because the rest is actually referring to the promised land. Because he said, I'm going to take you into land flowing with milk and honey, this and that. We've already, we've already talked about this, but the promised land is not just, is not just a physical place. This is a, we said this at the beginning of the year, that this is the year of purity. This is a year that we are to live purely before the Lord. Where to live, and when we live purely, it's going to lead us into the promised land. The promised land is not a physical place, it is a place of rest. Listen to this it is not simply a physical place, it is a spiritual, emotional, it is a mental, spiritual, and emotional place first. 
God wasn't just taking the children of Israel into a place that looked really nice and had lots of fruit and had, you know, a good good place to live. He was trying to take them into a place where they would stop worrying about things in this life and trust him. So when they got to the edge of the promised land, they still could not wrap wrap their minds around that God would take care of them. So God said, this promised land I want to give you is he said, he basically said, if I were to let you go in, you would squander this opportunity and find yourself slaves again. He said, I cannot let you in until you rest and trust that I'm going to take care of you. The promised land is not just a physical place. It is a place of rest. It's a place where we say God is in control. And because I am his child, he will always provide for me. That is the promised land, if you, if, and if we're not able to say that, we have not yet entered in. The promised land is a place where we say, God, I know my life doesn't look good. I know I'm in a valley season in my life, but I know that you have all control, and because I am your child, you're going to take care of me. If you can begin to say that, then you can begin to live in the promised land. This is pretty simple, but if we knew that God was going to take care of every situation we would ever come across, would we ever not rest? Think about what you're going through right now. If you knew that God was going to take care of that situation that either you found yourself in or you put yourself in, you know that things were going to work out perfectly and that you were going to be okay and your family was going to be okay, would you worry? Would you fear? All right, that makes sense, right? We know it up here, but for many of us, we don't feel it down here. You know what that tells me? We haven't entered in yet. I'm here to say this morning that there is a better way to live. There is a way to live without fear, without anxiety, without worry. God is wanting us to rest. This is... Learning to rest is not part of the journey. It is the destination. Learning to rest is not part of the process. It is the goal. Many of us are saying, okay, I'll incorporate rest so I can get to where I want to go. No. Rest is where you want to go. Because what is it to have all these possessions and have all these things, but you're constantly stressed out about how you're going to pay for them or how you're going to take care of this relationship? That's not, that, that's, that's no promised land. Rest is not, that's why, I'm, that's why I said earlier, you can arrive, wherever you think you want to arrive in life, you can arrive, you can really arrive there today because Jesus brings rest. He brings peace. There's not one, where you are sitting this morning, there's not one thing you lack, not one thing. If you still feel like you lack something, the enemy is still lying to you. Because Jesus provides everything that we need. How many of y'all know the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd. Did you know this passage, probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible, is a passage about rest? Let's look at it. Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what he's saying? He's saying, because I am his sheep and he is my shepherd, there's not one thing that I need. Because my shepherd will feed me, he'll clothe me, 
He'll provide for me. He'll protect me. That sheep can literally just enjoy the pasture knowing that if a wolf comes along, if a bear comes along, if something that could harm him comes along, that the shepherd is going to take care of him. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, which leads to the next verse. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is so good. This is what happened. He makes us rest. This is what happened to me on vacation. I was going, going, going. The Lord had to shake me and say, what are you doing? You're not resting. Here, let me make you lie down. And I, and I mentioned this last week when I was playing one of the last rounds I played golf. I got rained out. I was literally stranded on this golf course, and it was pouring down rain. He said, I'm going to make you sit down in the middle of this golf course. And it was literally a green pasture because there's grass everywhere in Florida. So he says, I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. But this only happens when we accept that he's our shepherd. When we accept that he's taking care of us, then we can begin to find ourselves going to green pastures and go beside still waters. Then what's the result? Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Many of us are struggling to stay on the path of righteousness because our soul has not been restored because we're not resting. Do you see how this comes after he makes us lie down to green pastures? This is when the devil comes after us when we're tired. And the enemy, he's so slick. He says, work a little harder, volunteer a little bit more, do this, do that. Your kids want this, work more. And he gets us tired and our soul is worn out. And he's saying the only way that we can rest, the only way our soul can be restored is when he makes us lie down. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You know what he's saying? Even in the most depressing, hard places in life, I'm not going to fear because I know you're with me. Let me tell you, if you can rest in this place, what place can you not rest? I'm telling you, church, there is a better way that we are called to live, a better way. Verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. This is so good. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Who are enemies today? Are they people? There might be a few people that you may consider an enemy or they consider you an enemy. But I would say the bigger enemy is depression, fear, worry. Fill in the blank. He says, I can prepare a table before. And in those days, they sat on the ground. So get this mental picture of your enemy standing up. When you're, when you're in a place that's hostile, you don't want to be on the ground. You want to be on your feet. You want to be ready. He says, I will give you the peace so much so that you will be able to sit down in the middle of your enemies because you know you're not the one fighting for yourself. I'm the one fighting for you. You prepare a table in the middle of my enemies where that bill has to be paid or your child's sick, really sick. And it's like, you know what? I am not going to fear. I'm not going to where I'm going to rest because my child did not come from me. He came from you, Father, and he is first yours. And then he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The anointing, which we talked about, only comes when we rest. What is the anointing? It is God's power to do the things that he wants us to do. 
that only comes when we learn to rest, when we realize he is our shepherd. And then one of my favorite verses, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me because I am leaving a works mentality and I'm embracing a provision mentality that my God is providing for me. Therefore, I know for sure goodness and mercy shall follow me because it's not up to me. It's up to you, Lord. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. There's a better way. There's a, there's a better way. This is the truth. Many of us are sacrificing time, energy, resources. We are sacrificing our rest for things that can't give us what we really want. This was the whole point of the Old Testament when the children of Israel would make idols. God says, I don't want any idols. He says, you are, you are making these idols and you're sacrificing to these idols. You are making uh, these things and sacrificing to them for, for these things that can't do, have never done anything for you and can never do anything for you. You know why I think they made idols? Because these idols were things that they could make with their hands, things that they could form to look like what they wanted, things that they could control. And so in in their mind, they said, no, I'm going to worship this thing. You know what they were worshiping? They were worshiping themselves. They were worshiping the work of their hands instead of worshiping God. And many times we'll find ourselves in that situation. Instead of trusting God and waiting on him, we will make an idol something that we can control. It's actually a trust issue. It's a trust issue. We don't really trust God. We don't really believe that he can provide for us. Because if we did, we would wait on him and not work more and buy more and do more. When I was on vacation, if I'm being honest with myself, I went by, I went by, my, I went by myself. I went, I went alone, and the, the lie deep down that I believed was this, that if I don't stay busy, if I'm not staying busy going here, going, going there, doing this, playing more golf, going to that beach, whatever, if I, if I'm, if I don't stay busy, I don't know if I'll be okay. How many of us fill our lives, our schedules with things and people to keep us busy? Because we're fearful of this idea of being alone. I knew a guy one time that was working three jobs. He was single, but working three jobs because he was so fearful of what would happen if he was alone with his thoughts. This is where it gets real. Are we trusting the Lord that in those moments where there is nothing going on, that he's going to provide for us. If we don't, we'll continue to work more, achieve more, do more, trying to get what we think we can get for ourselves, but only God can get. This past Friday, I was, I was at small group, and what we do at our small group is we go around the room and we ask people to go through how their weeks have been. And we hadn't met for four weeks, so there was a lot to talk about. And almost every person, almost every person, including myself, said, we've just been so busy. We've been so busy. We've been so tired. And then, many, and then several, several of them were sick. 
And I had already been talking about rest. And so when we began to talk about how we were tired, it, I just, I said, man, we just have this wrong. And once everyone went around, I just, I spoke and I said, you know what? I'm becoming more and more convinced that we are living the wrong way. That I'm living the wrong way. I said this last week that churches are infamous for working our volunteers, working not just volunteers, but staff, working them to the bone, not getting rest. And I, and I just, I, I just, guys, I really believe that in America, we are just living the wrong way. We are not resting. Three of them had severe stomach issues and just intestinal issues. And I, and I just thought came up and I asked of them, hey, I asked each of them, I said, have you been stressed out lately? Yeah, yeah. Hey, have you been stressed out? Yeah, yeah. Hey, how about you? Yeah, man, I've been stressed out. And I said, I really, I'm not a doctor but I'm pretty sure that's why you're sick. I remember, and I've said this story before, my dad, I was like 12, 10, 11, 12. He got put in the hospital. They never, my parents never get sick. I was seeing us go to the hospital, worried me so much so that I got sick and I wasn't able to play in a soccer game the next day. And so I know what stress can do. And I know it was a long time ago, but because we're not resting we're not just, we're not able to, we're just not only able to see what God has for us, we are actually making ourselves sick. I am convinced, I really hope you're hearing this, I am convinced, church, we are living the wrong way. We're living the wrong, I'm living the wrong way. Doing too much instead of trusting the Lord, trusting that more is not more, more is actually less, less is more, less work, less time away from our families, less time worrying and striving, but trusting that God supernaturally is going to grow our business. He's going to grow our family. He's going to give us the things that our family, families need when we do less because we are honoring this commandment. I remember um, I got home when I, when I went on vacation. So the last half of the trip, I, I began to rest. When I got home, I got home like at one in the morning on Saturday night. I had church the next day. I wasn't preaching, but I'm the type of person that likes to unpack at the end, right when you get home, how many of y'all are, are that way? You would like to unpack, no, how many of y'all are like, hey, I could leave this suitcase like that, that way I can go on, on a trip, and like in, in a month, I just leave it just like that. I'm the type where I, I'm the type where I have to, um, I have to unpack. Well, I, the Lord was, he's like, Josh, what have we been talking about for three days, four days? I was like, I know, I know, but listen to what I said. I said, I can't rest unless I unpack. 